Today is Thursday, December 7th, 2023. This is a quick start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy suddenly resigns from Congress. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me on this Friday, junior edition of the podcast, Trey Gones Phillips, Billy Hallowell. Guys, what's up? Living the dream. Excited to be here, caffeinated and contented. I've got <laughs> all, right. all lines today. Happy to be here on this nice Thursday. Yeah, Friday, junior it is. Yeah. And uh, as I said, Speaker Kevin McCarthy resigning, uh, surprising to me anyway, and uh, he's going to make it till the end of the year, so we'll have the details on that coming up. Also, on the focus story, we have an Israeli businessman that we talked to. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story. An Israeli businessman who is now a soldier. He was called into reserve duty, so we'll talk about his experience and his reaction to Hamas and so much more. All right, looking forward to that. And on the main thing, Israeli spokesperson Tal Heinrich spoke at the UN and said Israel women were murdered twice. She joined us to explain these remarks and more on Israel's expanding operations in Gaza. But first... We are going to get to the news here in 90 seconds. And Representative Kevin McCarthy from California announced yesterday he's going to resign from his congressional seat after being ousted as House Speaker. McCarthy made the announcement in an opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal. He's not seeking re-election and will be out of office at the end of the year. Roughly 4 in 10 Americans say the economy or the cost of living is the most important issue facing the country, far above the share who name any other issue. And very few are expressing any optimism about where the economy is heading right now. And Americans agree more with the GOP on how to handle the economy, crime, America's role in the world on immigration. But... Democrats hold the advantage on the issues of abortion, climate change, and voting-related issues. And in this CNN poll and survey, Republicans closely split between Democratic and Republican approaches to helping the middle class. Biden's numbers, meanwhile, are not faring well. He began the year with a 45% job approval rating. He's since seen these numbers erode even further. The latest survey... His job approval rating stands at just 37%. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more stories over at CBNnews.com. Guys, these we've talked about this a lot on this podcast about how the numbers are, you know, about how important the economy is and how the media is sort of underplaying that. But this is a CNN survey, so it's already going to be skewed to the left. And these numbers are still not good. To give you an idea of where these numbers stand, meaning Biden's approval numbers at just 37%. When President Trump, just after January 6th, the protests there at the Capitol in uh, in 2021, these same CNN surveys had Trump, his approval rating at 34%. You already know how much the CNN audience already doesn't like Donald Trump. So the fact that Trump at that moment, after January 6th, and all the complaining the media was doing then at 34%. And President Biden now is sitting at just 37%, almost the same number. That's 
that should be major alarm bells going off for Democrats. Yeah. Well, this has been, you know, I've been looking at these numbers, as you know, obsessively, personally yeah. for a while now. And, you know, I don't think we have not seen, let me just put it this way. We have not seen Trump perform this well in polls consistently ever in the other times that he's run. So at least from what I can tell. So, you know, this is a, and especially in particular against Biden. So if I were a democratic strategist, I'd be a little panicked right now. Um, and also if the economy you know, even if it looks up a little bit, there's a lot to make up here. There was one report that, you know, it's $11,400 more per year to do the very same basic things you need to do to survive that you could do in 2021. So that's almost $1,000 a month that families need just to make their bills and, and buy food and get gas. That, yeah. the, that yeah. is concerning. There's just no getting around day-to-day -day living expenses, right? You can't hide that. You can't spin that. I saw Corinne Jean-Pierre trying to say, oh, well, the cost of TVs are down and all the, and like listing all these things. And it's like, look, don't lie to us. Like, don't try to spin something we all know and can feel with our pocketbooks. You have to sympathize with the American people and say, hey, look, you know, here are the things that are going on. Here are the things we're doing to make it better. Don't mm -hmm. sit here and try to tell me everything's OK, because it's so blatantly not. Yeah, well, I think part of the reason why Trump is doing so well now is I think the same reason in a way that Biden did well in 2020, right? Is that Biden was not Trump. And I think he, that helped him a lot. Uh, and I think now Trump is not Biden. I think at this point, since it's so early, that's what people are reacting to is they're looking at what they see as generally a failed president. As far as uh, what he's been able to accomplish on his approval rating is very, very low. Uh, and it's still pretty abstract. What, a what, what the, the Trump Biden race is going to end up looking like ultimately because we're not down to the wire yet. So I think a lot of it is just Trump is the alternative that's not Biden. So, you know, I think people are just fed up with the economy as it is. Um, and if people are willing to stomach Trump again uh, over another four years of Biden, uh, if I was a Democratic strategist, I would not be happy right now. Yeah, I mean, and look, you consider how it was when Biden won the first time around. The, the reason he won, I believe, is because there was people, you know, generally like Democrats and the media and everybody was just so against Trump this whole time. There was just this they had this sense of we have to get him out. Whatever we do, we have to get him out. And and so Biden kind of won by just being the guy that was put in there. And he wasn't, you know, Bernie Sanders is a raging communist. And so you go with Biden and there wasn't like an obvious, you know, he was former vice president and, you know, yeah, maybe he makes gaffes all the time and he's prone to gaffes and there's some issues. He seemed like a status it was, quo. It was a, yeah, it was a status quo. Thing. It was, there was not an easy like attack narrative that, that Republicans could put out there to, to dissuade the headlines from being away from Trump. There was nothing that could overcome that when it was Biden. But now Biden has been in office. Okay. Right. Everyone can see the age decline of the president. we Everyone can see that with their eyes. Everyone can see their grocery bill. Everybody who's trying to get another car has to get another billionaire going through this now. We might be getting <laughs> cars soon. And it's just like, you don't want to buy one because you're looking around going, my gosh, these prices are right. insane. And yeah. and then not to mention, you got to put gas in it and the gas prices are insane. Still. It's They're also, still high. You can't avoid that. There's no avoiding that. Yeah. And I think it's crazy to look at Joe Biden and Donald Trump and realize that they're 
they're within the same ballpark age wise. Yeah. Um, but Biden looks like he's so much more in decline uh, than Trump is. And it seems like the more excited Trump gets and the more uh, like frustrated he gets with politics or, you know, whatever, the more energized he gets and it makes him look even younger compared to Biden. So I I just am wondering like what that's going to look like on a debate stage potentially between Biden and Trump. I just feel like Biden or Trump is going to be able to just run circles around Biden, at least if unless something changes well they and yeah maybe because they thought that was going to be the i thought that was going to be the case last time around right when they ran but biden actually that was probably one of his better performances were were in those debates he but i think a lot has changed yeah well he's aged morality since then (laughs) yeah he's he's aged another three or four years so well also i don't think anybody cared they just didn't want trump like the country wanted to move on from trump in that moment yeah in that moment now 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 the country wants to pay their bills and move on right Right. And from doing that. And I think it doesn't matter whether it's fair or not, whoever is president, right? Let's also keep in mind when I say move on from Trump, COVID had happened, right? So all that chaos with COVID that was going on that impacted how you viewed whoever the president was at that time. Right. And I don't, and look, I think even a lot of conservatives were a little frustrated at um, Trump's handling of of COVID. If if you're looking back on it now with Fauci and everything, that was all under Trump, right? So, um, you know, he didn't, I don't think he pushed any of the mandates. What do you mean, Fauci? What do you mean? He's very, I I don't understand. What issue could you have with Fauci? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I just, uh, looking back on it now and, you know, again, I don't know that Trump got all the blame for that at that moment in time, but uh, it certainly got, you know, more oppressive under uh, Biden when they were shutting things down and it was kind of still late and you're like wondering what's going on. So, but yeah, COVID threw a, a, a big change into things uh, because Trump was probably, let's be honest, was probably cruising towards re-election up until up until that all happened. So, uh, but interesting enough to see these numbers because, and we'll keep keeping an eye on this. But yeah, Trump still has a huge lead in the primary, and it sure looks like right now, at least, that we are cruising for unless something happens to Biden stepping aside. It, it, some people are calling for that, but he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And uh, former President Trump seems to be still doing very, very well. So it looks like we could be heading for a rematch. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on that, of course, and keep reporting that at CBNnews.com and FaithWire.com. Right now, we're going to head on over to our focus story. And an Israeli businessman recently was called back to reserve duty following Hamas's deadly October 7th terror attack delivered an impassioned message to critics of Israel. So what's what happened here? Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting uh, story. It's Hi Shimmel. He's the founder of the Artsa Box. It's a gift package box, you know, that you subscribe to. And we've actually had him on in the past. Uh, it, it's very interesting. He's one of the 350,000 Israelis who have been called up into the reserves. And so we connected with him to talk about a variety of different things, one of them being what it is like to be in the military and be doing what he's now doing. I mean, he went from being, you know, a businessman running arts which he's still doing in his spare time, to being pulled out. That's what happens to you. It's like being drafted. You're pulled out of your life and you're stationed somewhere and you're in the military. And so uh, we talked a lot about 
different issues, but in particular, his reaction to some of the painful things he says he has seen, the anti-Semitism, the anti-Israeli sentiment. Um, He said he tries to spend a lot of his time trying to understand where this could be coming from. He said that somebody could be, quote, so filled with hatred for people that they don't even know that they would find it justified to go down and rip down posters of babies who had been kidnapped, a woman who had been raped and murdered. The concept of that is so twisted and so immoral and so evil. And so just trying to grapple with being, you know, we haven't really heard this perspective enough. An Israeli who's in the middle of this, he's in the military, and he's watching the world, parts of the world, portions of the world, react very negatively about the Jewish people. And so he he spoke a lot about the media narrative, how negative that media narrative um, has been, and that this information and the misinformation, it's so shocking in his view how quickly it spreads, right? And so Israel's getting blamed for these things that are not necessarily fair. He said the narrative out there that people believe and that people see is so twisted and there's so many blatant lies. And so that's just a little bit of what he told us. Uh, Really just, again, interesting to hear his perspective. Yeah, really is. And it's it's certainly shocking. I kind of figured there would be a turn (laughs) Yeah, uh, in the days after the attack, everyone's appalled, and I kind of figured, knowing how anti-Israel, anti-Semitic, so many uh, people are, and and I expected it, but it happened way faster than I thought it would happen, and it sounds like he thinks the same. Um, so, what you mentioned, Artsa, what is it, and why does it matter? Yeah, so Artsa, you know, we've covered them in the past. The the cool thing they, that he does, and he founded this company, is they put a box together quarterly, and in that box are items from different businesses and organizations around Israel. So it's almost like getting a Holy Land experience when you subscribe to it. Mm. Um, and I've gotten a few of them. They're really cool. You get different items, handmade items, just great stuff, um, and then explanations of what these business owners do. And so it's a way, Artsa is not only helping people in the West and around the world to get that Holy Land experience, but it's helping these businesses. He founded it during COVID when businesses were really struggling. And so it kind of serves two different purposes. And now with the war, you know, I didn't even think about this. He was like, look, you know, 350,000 people have been taken out of their lives, taken out of their jobs. The impact on the country, when you think about that, all these different sectors, all these different businesses, um, it's profound. And so he's continuing in the spare time he has outside of military duty, they're running arts still. They're doing the Christmas box right now and they're helping keep these businesses alive that otherwise in Israel might not be staying alive. And so it's taken on a whole new purpose in the era of this, of this war. And it was really interesting to hear him, you know, talk about that part of his work. Yeah. And uh, he kind of also mentioned too, I think if you've been following Israel news closely, even before this attack, they're kind of going through a period of extreme division politically. There's a lot of political tension and division and arguments going on. And he said in your conversation, Billy, that that's kind of been put on the back burner. And this is one yeah. of those moments where they've, everyone has just said, this is more important. We're going to rally together. Yeah, that's been a really interesting part. I think it's reflective. It's different, but it's reflective of what we experienced after 9-11 in this country, that togetherness that very briefly was here that I don't think I've ever seen again. That's what they're experiencing. He said never in his entire life has he seen the country come together the way that it has. It doesn't matter how old somebody is, their religious affiliation, political, none of that matters. Um, They've all come together to really help civilians, help families who have lost loved ones, help reserve duty first responders, just to be there um, for one another. And so 
that was just pretty powerful to hear and see. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate that it takes that right yeah. to bring people together. Right. It would be great if people could just come, come together during peacetime as well. But I mean, obviously the attack on October 7th, horrible loss of life, just an incredible tragedy. What did he say about Israel and all, and all of that? Yeah, you know, he, he talked about the the protesters. He encouraged people who are, you know, protesting Israel to do it respectfully, to not assume that they can watch a couple of TikToks and Instagram videos and suddenly become experts on a very complex geopolitical religious issue that has been going on in the Middle East for a very long time. Um, but he said, and I thought this is important, he said, in Israel, no one celebrates death of any innocent. Every time a Palestinian or someone in Gaza dies, that nobody is happy about it. They're not celebrating that, that they, that they're sad over it. And so it was, it was interesting to hear that. Obviously I know that, but hearing that perspective, because Hamas seemed very happy with the death they were causing on October 7th. So there is a major difference between how the two sides are are handling life and death. Uh, Major difference. And, you know, you mentioned it at the beginning of this talk, Billy, the, the posters being torn down, regardless of what you think of Israel and, what they've done, like, how do you rip those posters down? What is inside your soul at that point, other than evil, to rip down the poster of somebody who's been taken hostage, an innocent civilian, a lot of times women, children, elderly, and you're taking those posters down and ripping them up? That If that doesn't show you the difference between just what you're saying there, right? One side cheers on the death and the other side you know, is doing what they have to do but they're not enjoying it and they don't think it's their mission to do that. I mean, the, the difference is stark, but so many people don't see it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the nine 11 comparison, Billy was the first thing I really noticed when I was reading uh, your interview and the, the story you wrote about this and the fact that he's the founder of the arts box, which we've, as you said, covered before, I think is really fascinating too, but the resiliency of the Israeli people, the Jewish people has been incredible to see. And the fact that not only have they been resilient and stepping in and like he's running his organization and doing his duty as, as a a citizen of Israel, uh, but also they're doing it with so much hopefulness and not, not that it's not hard and difficult and that there isn't pain obviously there, but they're doing it with a lot of, I think it seems like a resilient hopefulness that's really been inspiring in the midst of a really, really tragic situation. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Billy, I appreciate you, uh, that interview. We'll put the full interview. I'll link to it in the description of this podcast episode, but I appreciate you bringing it to the podcast today. And we're going to head over to the main thing now. And Israeli spokesperson, Tail Heinrich, recently spoke at the UN and said that Israeli women were murdered twice on October 7th. And she joined us to explain those remarks and and more on Israel's expanding operations in Gaza. CBN's Gordon Robertson has the interview for today's main thing. Well, joining us now from New York is Tal Heinrich, a spokesperson for the Israeli government. And so thanks for being with us. You, You spoke at the UN event yesterday. Tell us what you said. You said specifically Israeli women were murdered twice. What did you mean? Thank you for having me on. You see, I uh, I was the MC for the event. It was one of the most powerful events, I think maybe the most powerful that I ever witnessed at the United Nations. And um, in my opening remarks, I said that 
some of the women uh, who were butchered on October 7th, and there are more than 300 female victims of this massacre, uh, were murdered twice. The first time was when Hamas terrorists raped them and, and committed acts of sexual violence against them, mutilated them. Uh, and the second time was when Hamas terrorists put a bullet in them. Now, in at least one case, as I said, this happened simultaneously, which is absolutely sickening. But here's what I also said, that we will not allow for a third time to take place, that these women will not be murdered for a third time by silence, by neglect. And we saw that over the past eight weeks. Uh, for that reason, we held this event to bring awareness to what had transpired, what happened, um, so that these women who cannot speak, but um, the, 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 the other women, the other people who witnessed what happened to them are able to give testimony to that, um, and they need to be heard. Well, why is there, a, I guess, a, a double standard? Uh, here we have eyewitness testimony that uh, women were being raped. Uh, we have eyewitness testimony that one of them literally cried out, kill me. Um, it, it was so brutal that she was being raped, then she was mutilated, and then finally she was shot. So you have eyewitness testimony to that, and at the same time, there seems to be this uh, conflicting narrative that, no, that could have never happened. Uh, why, why are we seeing that? It's a very good question. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of a few things, but the bottom line is, I don't know if you saw this hashtag, me too, unless you're a Jew. I think it says it all. Um, because it, it's really baffling to see how, you know, some of these women's rights organizations uh, have, you know, have, have been, have been t telling us all along, believe all women, right? Um, and, and now they're silent. They're simply silent. So one aspect is the fact that they're Israelis. One aspect is that they're Jews. Another aspect is that some of these, um, you know, women's rights advocates uh, and UN bodies maybe think that if if they condemn Hamas for their atrocities against women, it means that they fully agree with with the Israeli standpoint on the conflict. Again, I don't know. But as Ambassador Erdan, uh, Gilad Erdan, the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, said yesterday, their silence is deafening. Um, it's hypocrisy. It's pure hypocrisy. Well, let's talk about the UN. There's a group called UN Women uh, that, you know, that is calling for itself a global champion for women. What's been their response to the crimes of October 7th? Well, uh, UN Women and also the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, yes, they put out a statement. But when did they put it out? After a few days, in the days leading up to the event that we held yesterday, the Israeli uh, mission to the United Nations. Again, it's not that the UN organized that, that event. It took place at the United Nations headquarters in New York, but it had nothing to do with the UN. It was all Israel. Um, so they put out their statements uh, condemning Hamas, but also saying that these atrocities have to be investigated, and, and, and they did so right before we published the event, or right after, rather, we published the event, which is also, you know, you, you, 
you you see what you see why it's wrong. They were silent for seven weeks. Now calling to investigate the, the, these testimonies and what transpired in terms of you know rape and mutilation of of and, and sexual violence against Israeli women. Uh, I, I didn't see them calling to investigate the, the numbers that the Hamas-controlled Gaza Health Ministry provided them. Uh, you know, from from uh, the war so far, why they they only cast doubt when it comes to Israel? What well, what would your message be to women on college campuses today in America? It just seems to be incredible that there are these current protests uh, supporting the Palestinian cause. Uh, what what's your message to them? My message is don't serve as apologists for Hamas. If you truly care about innocent people on both sides on the conflict, about Israeli lives and, and Palestinian lives, and if you truly want to stand for what is right, you should have moral clarity. And people should remember that all of what happened, all of the people who were killed, all of the people who were injured, all of the women who were raped over the past, you know, eight weeks, that, since October 7th and until now, would have been safe today if it wasn't for Hamas's atrocities. That's what we need to remember, if it wasn't for Hamas. Thank you. Thank you for standing strong. Thank you for st standing for moral clarity. Uh, we really absolutely need it today. And be assured, we stand with you and we stand with Israel. And we absolutely stand against rape as some kind of weapon of war. It seems the record's quite clear. The Hamas fighters were schooled to do that uh, and that they need to be held accountable. That is an absolute crime. It should never happen in today's world. Thank you for being with us. You are correct. Thank you, Gordon. All right. Thanks, Gordon, for that interview there. Powerful stuff. It just, again, I mean, it's shocking that this stuff happened. And as much as I don't want to talk about the details and how horrible they are, but it sure seems like we have to, guys, because like we keep saying, people are forgetting it faster than we could have ever imagined. I mean, history repeats itself when you never learn your lesson. You just let it keep happening again and again. Right. And I feel like we're watching that right now. And it's just, it's so disturbing. And you know, it's a spiritual issue because of that. You just, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, we're gonna have time here on the podcast today, guys, for one last thing. And we are going to take a look at John 10, 14 and 15, which says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So great verse there. Just a reminder that God's not going to let one of us go. Christ has come to save all of us that follow him, that are called to him. And so um, he's not going to lose one of them. So that's a great comforting reminder. Yeah. And I think it's important that we spend time in scripture because that's how we know the voice of the Lord, right? That's how we hear yeah. God speak to us is by reading his word. All right. This Thursday edition, this Friday junior edition of the podcast is coming to an end. But tomorrow we'll be back, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise with more news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. Get great news from a Christian perspective over there each and every day, the CBN News YouTube channel as well. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.